You are invited to attend the 2018 Cashflow Wealth Summit for free on September 20th and 21st. The Cashflow Wealth Summit is a one-of-a-kind two-day online event that features an elite faculty of over 20 entrepreneurs and business leaders from various industries, all lecturing about the principles of cash flow. This is your opportunity to learn from the best for free from the comfort of your own home or office. For more information and to secure your free spot, simply go to thewealthstandard.com forward slash free. That's thewealthstandard.com forward slash free, and we'll see you on September 20th and 21st. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Patrick Donahoe. Welcome to the Wealth Standard Podcast, and it's going to be a good interview today. We are in the third season of 2018, where we have been talking about... Uh, a English philosopher back in the uh, the 1600s who was uh, shaking up society at the time by uh, writing either anonymously or under a pen name uh, his uh, view of the inalienable rights that eventually became uh, part his 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 teachings his words his writings eventually became part of the Declaration of Independence and uh, and it uh, my my study has really helped me uh, create a parallel to. Uh, what people are naturally seeking when it comes to wealth building uh, and their career and so forth. So we've been talking about it all year. If you guys are new to, new to the podcast, go and uh, check out the previous episodes. If you want to kind of get some more information about the actual philosophy, go back and uh, check out the last two episodes where uh, I kind of went off by myself and really made sure that the audience was uh, hearing some uh, or, or understanding some of the things that we were trying to get across with the various guests. Uh, but today... It's, uh, I was actually debating breaking it into two podcasts because uh, it's quite lengthy, uh, but it was uh, a, an action-packed interview, and it was with James Arthur Ray, uh, who some of you may have heard of before. He's been on Oprah a few times. He's been on Larry King Live. Uh, he became you know, relatively uh, famous back in uh, 2006 and 2007 with the release of the film documentary motivational thing called The Secret. Uh, and then, tragically, in 2009, uh, he uh, went to prison. And he went to prison because a couple of people passed away at one of his seminars. Uh, and uh, so it's an interesting story and great interview, very knowledgeable guy. Uh, you guys are going to love it. But a couple announcements. First off, uh, the audiobook for the book I just released in July called Heads I Win, Tails You Lose, A Financial Strategy to Reignite the American Dream is, uh, is on Audible. So you can check, check it out on Audible as well as iTunes. And uh, so I'd love your support. And uh, if you get a chance, leave a review, get the word out. Uh, it'd, be, uh, it'd be awesome. So uh, the other announcement is the Cashflow Wealth Summit. Cashflow Wealth Summit is right around the corner, September 20th and 21st. It's uh, an event that I put on for the last uh, several years. This is our fifth summit. And uh, I, I started doing it with my good friends, Andy Tanner and Tom Wheelwright, who have been on the show before. And, uh, and, it's, and it's awesome. We have a bunch of speakers. I think there's like 25 or 26 at this point. Uh, Jim Rickards is one of the, uh, the keynotes uh, who's very knowledgeable about the economy, has written a number of books. So I can't wait to hear his perspective of what's, uh, what's going on today. Uh, and so, uh, so definitely check that out. It's, uh, it's actually free to register. You can watch everything uh, for free online. And as I said, it'll be uh, September 20th and 21st. Okay, so Let's kind of get into this, uh, this interview. Property is a principle that I believe uh, is, is very important to understand. And it's not owning uh, real estate. It's not owning a piece of land. Uh, it's, not owning, it's, it's essentially the, the material world. Uh, John Locke existed back when you know, there's still horse and buggies. So as he looked at property, property was essentially the material world. Uh, and sometimes it's immaterial. 
Uh, but typically it's the combination of uh, the right to life and being free. And those two things create a dynamic in the mind where when combined with the physical world creates things and it creates, uh, you know, whether it's technology or whether it's a service or, or whether it's another type of product. Okay, the idea is that the, the mind of man in that environment operates differently than if it was in an unfree environment uh, and then where people's right to life wasn't respected. So we, we really dive into, you know, what wealth is, uh, what property is. And, uh, and how it relates to our overall sense of fulfillment and uh, level of happiness. And uh, so I think you guys are going to enjoy the interview. And it's going to be long, so you may have to break it up a little bit. But, uh, but without further ado, I'm going to uh, get into uh, an interview with a really good guy, James Arthur Ray. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the 2018 seasons of the Wealth Standard Podcast, celebrating the principles of life, liberty, and property. You are listening to season three, Property. So it's my uh, pleasure to welcome James Arthur Ray. Uh, James, I, I think your, your reputation probably does uh, pr- uh, precede this interview. And, uh, you know, I've actually talked a lot about some of uh, your, your books as well as principles way back when I started this podcast in, in 2007. Uh, and I'm really excited to, uh, uh, to, to talk to you and to talk through our uh, focus on the principle of property for uh, for this season, but I thought that it'd be really good for you to you know maybe tell your story, uh, especially for those that uh, that don't know uh, don't know you or your name uh, and your and your history, because I think it's uh, there's a lot of lessons and a lot of uh, amazing insights that many people can uh, can glean from it. So would you mind going into that? Yeah, how how much time do we have? Because my my story is kind of epic. Um, <laughs> well, thankfully iTunes doesn't cap us. <laughs> so so let me let me give you as much of a condensed version as possible, hitting the highlights. Um, I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. My father was a Protestant minister, a very dynamic, charismatic man overbearing in many ways. I was I was an insecure, skinny, scrawny, bucktooth kid, uh, introvert and who got bullied and picked on in school, never fit in. And so um, in the buckle of the Bible Belt, Tulsa, Oklahoma, right down the street from Oral Roberts University, as the son of a Protestant minister, um, I picked up the Buddhist Bible when I was 18 years old because I wasn't getting um, the answers to the questions that I was asking in in my Sunday school class. And and so um, that kind of started a quest that I've been on for the rest of my days. And I've had a lot of, a lot of great experiences. I've had a lot of great coaches and mentors. I've had six major coaches and mentors uh, from everything uh, to business was first. I mean, I went into sales at AT AT&T and did really well at AT AT&T, hit the top of my game there and they made me a national sales trainer. And then from there, I went into management, sales management. I, I helped build and run their national tel- telemarketing center. And then I went to AT&T School of Business, ended up as a C-suite consultant for AT&T School of Business, working with C-suite leaders on leadership, communication, team performance, you know, all of those types of things that we have to have to get the the results that we want. I leapt off in 92 and started my own business consulting company and was just doing business consulting. Now, all this while I was being mentored and coached in business, I had a real attraction going all the way back 
to 18 to spiritual traditions and psychology. My, my schooling was in behavioral sciences. So I always wanted to figure out and find out and understand how the human mind worked. And I thought, as I started devouring all these books and and I've literally read hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands and thousands of books. And, you know, one of my most prized possessions is my library, even yet today. Uh, I'm, I'm a pretty giving guy, but if you ask me to borrow a book from my library, the answer is always no, uh, because it's just, it's my resource and my go-to, and they're all noted and, and, and cross-referenced and all those things. But I had this real drive to understand how the universe worked. I studied every great, you know, philosophy, psychology, even quantum physics. And as I continued to grow and learn, then my life began to change. And at some point I decided, hey, I'm going to start sharing this with other people as well. And so after leaving at and in 92, primarily doing business consulting, I got into keynote speaking and appearances, which I still do today. And then I got into live events and I got so busy. I was a co-author of a little phenomenon called The Secret, if you've heard of that. And that went gangbusters. And, you know, believe it or not, it's still huge internationally, even mm -hmm. today. And so it was interesting because the law of attraction was, was about that much of what I taught and I believe still to this day that my very best material ended up on the cutting room floor because Rhonda Byrne who is a good friend of mine had a different vision for the direction that it should go and so I was blessed to be in that though because I had basically played entrepreneurial solitaire for the better part of two decades and and I don't know if you've ever played entrepreneurial solitaire Patrick but but what that is for the, I'm sure I'm sure many of your viewers have. You take all your credit cards and you throw them out on the bed and you try to figure out which one has a balance left, um, because at any moment you're going down. You feel like for the third time, and and it had been a real struggle, and you know a lot of of disappointment and a lot of hard work and a lot of long hours, and then the secret kind of catapulted me into a world arena, and. I'm blessed to to be a part of that, even though, frankly, I believe that concept, the way it was presented, is very much for beginners. It, it, it's much more complex and deep than, than that. And so that got me on to Oprah a couple of times, Larry King. I was on the Today Show once a month. All of a sudden, my career exploded, and I was the hottest thing since sliced bread. You know, Fortune magazine, you can see the article hanging up behind here um, in 2008 said I was a new front runner in leadership and performance. And I was running and gunning and really blessed. I, I hit the Inc 500, my team and I in 2009 with one of the fastest growing, most successful companies in the nation, if not the world. And I had a $10 million business. I had a home, you know, on Maholland drive in Beverly Hills. And I had, worked really long and hard for the better part of two decades, seven days a week, 16 hour days to get there. And, you know, in retrospect, I see the arrogance there because I kind of thought 
in the back of my mind, although I may not have articulated this at the time, I thought, hey, I've done all this work and had all this struggle and all this suffering, and now I've arrived, and now it's my time. And I really realize now that the moment you begin to think that is the moment you're about to get the props knocked out from under you. And so is this too lengthy, Patrick? No, uh, what I was going to, what I was going to bring up there is, yeah, you have all of this momentum behind you that's, that's building up to, uh, to success. And, it, you know, I think mindset changes at dirf, at different levels of that journey. Uh, but there was a guy, he, he passed away earlier this year in Utah. His name's John Huntsman. And he, uh, has you know one of the most successful cancer foundations in uh, uh, in the world, and uh, he was you know at a, at a chemical company that did you know a lot of the packaging for McDonald's. Anyway, re- really uh, successful guy. But one of the principles that I gleaned from him that I'll I'll never forget in one of his books is he never uh, he he focused on providing, giving, serving first. And, and then the resources became available to do that. And it was kind of that cycle, right? So it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you, you, you have the resources to provide value to, to others, uh, but suddenly when the focus isn't others and it's your, yourself uh, without regard to others, right? I think things start to unwind. And that's at least was, was part of the, the lessons um, I've learned. But what are your comments on that? I mean, you get to this point where, you know, you're, everything you've worked for, you're achieving. How did your, you know, how did your mind start to, to operate and how did that lead to, you know, an, an inevitable correction? Well, wow, that's a great question. And, and, you know, we're talking about um, material possibilities here in this phase of your show um, and, and what we can create in the world. Right. And, and literally I created results that were far beyond what I ever imagined when I started. Uh, I would say to your point as well, and I would, I would corroborate that, you know, people ask me all the time, people would come, I, I've been blessed to work with over a million people from 145 different countries around the world. And a lot of them come to me to learn how to grow a business and make more money. And what I always state and will still state till the end of my days is here's the secret to making money. Forget about money. You know, we've been conditioned into this great myth that businesses are in business to turn a profit. That's a myth. Businesses are in business are in business to impact people's lives in a positive way. And so I really don't believe, Patrick, I ever lost sight of that. And in fact, I know I didn't. Now, now my intention was always good. My implementation, not always as good. But my intention always was to help people. And my greatest remuneration still to this day and always will be, you know, the people who say, hey, you've helped me double, triple my business. You've helped me with my relationship. You've helped me lose 100 pounds. You know, whatever those things may be. And because I teach quintessential principles and they are applicable to both life and business. And that's why, you know, my whole focus now is on leadership and performance because my definition of leadership is that you've got to lead your life first and successfully, and then you can lead a business successfully. If that makes sense to you. No, it totally does. And it, and it's hitting on, 
I'm chaining on something that I, I, I love to talk through and it still kind of confuses me, which is the paradox, uh, the paradox of, of actually making money or, or wealth, which is uh, you, you think it's for you, but it's really the more uh, impact you have on others, the better off you are. And I think people naturally, you know, from a survival instinct uh, are, you know, looking out for, for themselves to, to survive. And that instinct is, is inside of us. At the same time, once you get beyond having your, you know, physiological needs, that, that's when the connections associated with, you know, how you do gain uh, come into play. And I've always, you know, the paradox is the best way to gain is for others to gain. And, yeah. and, it, and that's, you know, I've, I've, I always try to think, think of that. And when you establish yourself, you know, especially in your capacity where you are improving business, you're improving relationships, you're improve, improving livelihood and not on a scale of like five people or 10 people or a hundred people, but you know, millions, I, I would say because of the success of that, uh, I don't even know what you call it, documentary slash film, uh, the, you know, the secret, it, you know, now the responsibility, right? Uh, is uh, is huge, right? Because huge. you're essentially now upping your game to take who you are, what you know, and be of value to to a lot of a lot of people. And that's where I don't know is it is it losing sight of losing sight of that even for you know uh, you know even an intention, right? Is losing sight of that uh, uh, the cause of some of the the lessons you've had? Well, I, I think there's a, there's a lot of uh, a lot of that is a cause and there's other things as well. But if, if I were to kind of pinpoint the major cause is that I, I lost um, perspective. And what I mean by that is that I started to lose gratitude for what I had and what I've been given. I always love people. I want to make a difference in people's lives. And yet I was tired, man. You know, I was on the road over 200 days a year. Um, people were pulling at me everywhere. You know, I, at, at the peak of the secret, I'd go into the gym and I'd have, you know, an hour and a half to get a workout in. And I had to hit a meeting, a conference call, hard stop. And people would come up to me and go, hey, aren't you James Arthur Ray? I'd say, yeah, I am. Well, I know this is your personal time and I don't want to bother you, but, but let me ask you a quick question. And, and I'd be running through the airport late for a flight and said, Jay, Jay, can we take a, can we take a picture real quick? And, and you know, if you don't, you're an asshole. If you do, you know, you're, you're way behind and you're missing your flight or you're not getting to your meeting or you're not getting your workout in. And so I started getting disgruntled and I was just tired. I was really physically tired. And, you know, I, I wrote a book, my, my last book, Harmonic Wealth. There's a title for your show. You know, Harmonic Wealth uh, was a New York Times bestseller. It hit the top of the list in five days after its release. And, and my whole intention for that book was to redefine wealth. Because if you go back to the origins of the word wealth, you know, if I were to ask 99% of the people what's wealth mean, they would instantly say money. money. Well, it doesn't mean money. You go back to the origins and it means well-being. And so, you know, I coach a lot of seven, eight-figure performers and they don't have a lot of wealth. They have a lot of money, but they don't have a lot of well-being. And because here's a fact, going back to something to play off of what you said, Patrick, there's research out there that proves, I mean, well-documented research that after about $75,000 a year, you don't get any happier. And in many cases, you get more miserable. 
because every single dollar more you make, and, and at one point at the peak, I was, I was personally bringing home $4 million a year. That's a lot of money, but I can tell you that's a lot of responsibility, too, and what comes with that is a lot of headache. And, and so, you know, my company was making 10, it cost me six to make 10, and I was keeping four. That's pretty good margins. But nonetheless, was I any happier than I was when I was making 300,000? No, not really. In fact, in many cases, less happy because I had a condo on the beach in Kona, Hawaii, the big island, and I hadn't been there in two years because I was too busy. And that's the, and that's the whole, it's kind of, it's, it's disharmony at that point. Correct. And, it, you know, it's one of the, and, and that's what I was saying before is, you know, it's this, it's this journey along life, right, where you, you, you know, establish yourself, you, you learn, you get educated, whether it's formal or informal, and you figure out ways to provide value to others, right, and you start to, to grow and increase, and you get to the point where, yeah, you, you maybe lose sight of what initially uh, allowed you to provide that value in, in the first place, uh, the, bigger, uh, the bigger you get. Because I would say, you know, for me at least, you know, I, I look at when you do get to those levels, it's not, it's, it's not a headache that can't be solved. There's a lot of aspirin out there, right? Because there's lots of businesses that are more than 10 million bucks. I mean, there's right. billion dollar businesses. You have Amazon that's at a trillion dollars. You know, you, you have, you know, these, these structures that are out there that can do that. But at the same time, how are you going to learn the value of that unless you have to experience, um, you know, some friction, right? In an environment that, uh, makes you aware that, hey, what caused the wealth in the first place, you know, isn't what's going to cause even more down the road or even to maintain what you've caused in the first, the first place. Well, and, well, I, I mean, at the end of the day, Patrick, sorry to interrupt you, what caused the wealth in the first place, if we're calling money wealth, which I'm going to say wealth is more than just money, money's a part of it, yeah. but what caused the success in the first place was you, was you. Right. And, and so, you know, how many times have we seen the Sean Penns taking swings at, at, you know, if you remember back years ago, he was taking swings at reporters who were sticking cameras in his face. Well, well, who made you famous, Sean? Right. I mean, and, and I nowhere near a Sean Penn, but I got a taste of that. And I and I know I understand it because at some point in time, you're like, damn, you know, <laughs> I, I got to take care of me. And who's going to take care of the guy who's taking care of everyone else? Mm -hmm. and, and you've got to keep it in perspective. But here's something else that I'll say to play off of what you alluded to. And this is not going to be popular, but I'm going to challenge your listener to, to write it down. It's not going to be popular. You're probably not going to like it, but it's true nonetheless. Pain is the mother of all growth. That's a fact. Now, I'll give you a simple example. Go into the gym and tell your trainer that you want to get in peak performance and fitness, but you don't want to sweat, you don't want to burn, you don't want to get out of breath, and they'll tell you don't let the door hit your butt on the way out, right? Because it's not going to happen. Pain is the mother of all growth, and how do you build a business the same way you build a body? By pushing up great, against greater and greater resistance. And so that resistance that I confronted when I was at the top is something that I had to learn to deal with and push through. And I sometimes was doing okay, other times not so, not so well. 
but it all did unravel. And to come back to the story, if you'd like me to, for Thank those who, who don't know the story, you know, in 2009, I came into a five-day event that we were holding, my company and I, and we had an experiential event called a sweat lodge and it was really just about that much of the entire five days the whole five days was a deep dive into our own psyche and into our own childhood scars and unresolved emotional issues and traumas and how to learn to reframe those and integrate those and become better because of them. Mm -hmm. Because if pain is the mother of all growth, which it is, I can guarantee you that you are who you are today because of the scars you have. Mm -hmm. You know, your scars are a symbol of strength. I, I don't want people around me that don't have any scars. Those people scare me, you know. They're going to get some wounds. That, that's right. And, and they're not going to have any compassion whatsoever for mine, yeah. right? So, so at the end of that five-day experience, we did this sweat lodge, which was just kind of a sizzle event, graduation event. We'd done it for five years prior. Something went incredibly sideways wrong, and, and three people ended up losing their lives. And so here we are. It's my event, it's my activity, it's my company, I'm the leader, therefore, I'm responsible. Now, that's the price of leadership. So, again, people tell me all day long, oh, I want to build a leader, I want to build a big company, I want to be Elon Musk. Okay, well, I want, well look at Bill Gates and how much he's been in court. Right. Look at Zuckerberg and how much he's been in court, because when things go sideways, see, the, the, the problem, the challenge with leadership is that you are held accountable for a lot of things that you have no control over. I don't care if, if you're at, at Amazon or Enron or, or wherever you are. I mean, but you're held accountable. You know, when things went sideways at BP Oil, the CEO was in the crosshairs. Well, the CEO doesn't know what's going on out on the drill. He's so far removed from that, but there's one guy in the crosshairs, and in this case, that was me. And so you got to shoulder that, and you got to step up to that. And if you can't step up to it, then you better stand down because that's the price of leadership. And so, you know, it went terribly wrong. And the major pain there, Patrick, which you never saw in the media, and you maybe saw a little bit of it in the documentary. I don't know if you've seen the documentary. Not yet. On, I've seen the, we're going to post some links to it, but I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, on Netflix. It's called Enlighten Us, and it's my story. And you see a little bit of it there. They told a little bit more of the story than the media did. But, but man, I lost three friends. I lost three clients on my watch. I mean, if you can imagine, there's not a day goes by that I don't think about that. And I don't think about what could have been done better or differently or what if I hadn't have done that activity or all these what ifs. But, you know, as in a position of leadership, you can't what if and you can't throw your team under the bus. You can't, you can't, you know, do anything besides take at what I call absolute responsibility. And I did. And the state of Arizona came after me. And everything started to unravel. My Inc. 500 company went away. My, I lost my life savings. I ended up homeless. Um, I lost my reputation. All my so-called friends and colleagues became ghosts, literally. You know, one week they're all wanting to do JVs and wanting to be up next to me and work with me. Next day, I've got, you know, I've got some 
disease. And, and so it was harsh, man. And, and I ended up losing my liberty and went to prison. They, they charged me with manslaughter, which with all due respect, was absolutely ludicrous because manslaughter is intentional harm. Well, there's not a businessman on the planet who's going to intentionally harm his clients. That's not a good move, right? Well, the jury said, no, we can't find any malintent here whatsoever. But what was a lesser included in that was negligence. And negligence basically says, hey, there were things that were overlooked. I agree. There were things that could have been done better. I agree. And guess who's responsible? It's me. You know, God, I wish they would have been different. And God, I wish I would have known. And, and on and on and on. And now you have two choices. When things go sideways, you either come out bitter and angry or you become awake and you learn and you grow and get grateful. And I choose the latter. And it's not easy it, you know, it was not easy to go to, to prison. I got, I got stories. I went for two years. Uh, they wanted 30. So I'm pretty blessed because two compared to 30 is nothing. Um, and, and yet it was, it was the most heinous experience I've ever had in my entire life. I've seen things that guys like you and me could never imagine in a million years. And, and so I came out five years ago and, kind of wasn't sure what I was going to do, but very quickly realized that I had to get back on the horse and get back at it because here's the thing, Patrick, when you know your purpose, you don't quit. And, and, and that's, you, even though it might feel easier to do so sometimes. So if you were, if you had one word or one lesson that, uh, that came from that, what would that, what would that be? Wow, there's so many of them, but you know, I'll talk to the entrepreneur because 95 plus percent of the people I work with are entrepreneurs, and I'm going to assume a lot of your audience is as well. Yep. Um, I would say keep your eyes wide open because because you think it won't or can't happen to you. It could happen to anybody. I mean, there's there's not one power in this universe, Patrick, that can guarantee that you or I are going to wake up tomorrow morning. Mm -hmm. We just, we, now we, now hopefully you will and hopefully I will too. And, and we, you know, but we don't like to think about that. We want to compartmentalize that and ignore that. But the fact is, you know, I could get in my car. I got, I've got a meeting to go to as soon as we're done here. I get in my car and go out here, uh, right after this interview, God forbid, and a kid could run out in front of the car chasing a ball and I hit the kid and, and you'll lose everything. You'll lose everything. And, and even though you had no intention of harm and it could happen to any of us. And so you have to not live in fear, but you have to learn that you've been sold. Here it is. We're talking about material gain in, in this part of the, of your series You've been sold what I call the great lie, all caps, the great lie. You want to hear what the great lie is? Go for it. Um, in 2009, July, I sit down with my money manager, and he said, James, congratulations. You can, you can retire for the rest of your life comfortably. 
I had $15 million in the bank. I had way more net worth than that. I had a $10 million business. I had, you know, a New York Times bestseller. I had a great reputation. I was the media's golden boy. Little did I know that in less than 90 days, it would all be gone. Every dime. In fact, worse than that, I came out of prison five years ago, $20 million in debt. Broke looked good to me <laughs> from where I was. Well, let me ask you, let me ask you this. So, you know, you, you, up to that point, you studied the universe, you studied psychology, you studied human behavior. Uh, you, you had a sense or a conviction as to uh, how, it, how it worked. So in theory, this, you know, I would say, you know, an environment of the bottom, right, relative to where you were 90 days uh, prior, what, what, is the, what did that tell you? What did you go through in your mind uh, in relation to, you know, how, how things work and the output, you know, circumstance and your role in that? Well, I'll... Man, there's at least five questions in that Sorry, question. I tried to get <laughs> let me let me see if I can I can peel it peel it apart. I'll answer the last one first. My my role in that is absolute responsibility. Mm -hmm. I, I I take absolute responsibility for all of it, and I see the perfection of it in retrospect. I see the perfection of it because, and I can only speak for me. You know, I talk about this in the documentary. In fact, it's the very end of the documentary where I make this statement, which is taken out of an entire, you know how they edit and they take things out of an entire context. And I got a lot of heat for it because it was misinterpreted, but I, I can't speak for those who died or for their families and my heart goes out to them or anyone who was, who was hurt by that situation. They can only speak for themselves and I can only speak for myself. And so from my perspective, I could have not learned as much. I couldn't have grown as much. I couldn't have found any other situation where I could practice what I had studied and taught for the majority of my life than the one that I went into. And I'm a big fan of Joseph Campbell. Are you familiar? Oh, yeah. Hero's Journey. Yep. Hero's Journey. I, I mean, if you're going to be a world teacher, which I'm not saying that I am, um, but if you're going to be um, a, a public figure or a world teacher in, in podcast form like yourself or in business form like Elon Musk or, or Bill Gates or whomever, then you're going to have to go through greater trials and challenges to develop the abilities because we don't grow smelling the roses and drinking fine wine. I mean, I like those things as well as anybody. We grow the most in the crucible of challenge. Mm -hmm. and, and so it's, the, it's our challenges that cause us to get to the core. And, and so without that fall, you said that earlier, and, and it's, a, it's a good term. I mean, it is the hero's journey, and that's why, you know, mythology is so powerful, and I believe we've lost our mythology in the modern world. You know, there was a time where we, as young men, you know, and I'm not saying I'm that young anymore, but at one point, 
we, you know, coming into manhood around 13 years of age or something, we would have had to go through a rite of passage. Well, the rite of passage now is called how many followers on Instagram, you know, or, or whatever, you know, I mean, there's, we've lost all of that. And, and that's well, unfortunate. Even more than that, I don't want to, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I don't want to. No, please do. Point, but in, in the middle of that, you look at the rite of passage, right? Going to that, going to that point you made, uh, that rite of passage had pain involved with it, whether it was hiking yes. a mountain, whether it was going to hunt something, you know, whether it was, you know, some, some ritual, right. That allowed a person to experience fear and experience pain. Right. And through that, they would become a man. Right. That's right. That's right. And, and, and unfortunately, you know, we've lost, I, I, I'm starting a five day leadership event on Sunday coming up in a couple of days and it's called leadership for the future. And my whole perspective is that the leader of the future has to be different than what we've currently defined as leadership. We are in sore need of leadership in my, my humble opinion, you might agree or disagree, but I, believe we're sorely in need of leadership. You know, you go back to when I was six years old and I remember uh, John F. Kennedy saying, hey, we're going to the moon, not because it's easy, but because it's hard and it'll bring out the best within us. And I mean, we had big moonshots. We had big visions. We had, we had a bigger perspective. And now what are we talking about? Well, let's build a wall and let's get more, more minimum wage and let's have more entitlement. And, and wham, wham, you know, I, I mean, we've become, we've lost our warrior spirit and we become wimps, you know, and I know that's a technical term, but, but nonetheless, our lifestyles have made us weak. And consequently, we, because we don't have the rite of passage, because we don't have the, the mythology anymore, because we don't have to be earn our way to manhood or womanhood, then, then we just have this entitlement attitude, and we've got so many people running around, particularly younger generations, whom I love, and I'm not, I'm not disrespecting. I think the millennials can, can possibly be one, some of the greatest leaders that we've seen in modern times. And, and they're going to have to change their mindset dramatically because I have a lot of them work on my team and, and there's, you know, and I'm not generalizing that there's always exceptions, but there's a lot of lack of work ethic. There's a lot of impatience. There's a lot of things that social media, I love social media used properly too. I'm not dis disrespecting that, but you know, everyone wants to be the next Justin Bieber, throw up a YouTube video. You know, what are you going to be when you grow up? I'm going to be a YouTube star. Well, what the hell is that? You know, I mean, what value is, are you going to provide to the world? And, and so I'm kind of on a tangent here, but I think I, think I had to go through my own uh, loss of everything to gain everything, mm. if that makes any sense at all. No, it totally does. And that's, you know, I've talked on the show before, and you probably know this metaphor well, which is the, you know, which is entropy, which is the second law of thermodynamics, right? Dying, and then the state you become or whatever it becomes in the biological world uh, after that death. And so tree falls in the forest, it becomes part of the forest. Tree falls in a swamp, because the pressure of a swamp is so much more intense than the forest, okay, tree becomes coal, coal becomes a diamond. So it's that, that idea where the greater the pressure, and I think, you know, 
example is the, you know, the youth and the uh, tremendous pressure of a 13-year-old. I mean, I have an almost 14-year-old daughter and 12-year-old daughter going through you know, their puberty times. And, and that, that pressure okay, you know, for males and females, the environment is really what determines okay, what they end up being. And if you look at you know, an extreme example, it's the Middle East, right? So if you have that type of you know, pressure okay, that they're naturally going through, and you have the ideology of hatred uh, and killing. I mean, look at what they're going to become. And that's where, you know, I would say people have a tremendous opportunity as far as their youth is concerned. But in regards to the cycle of life and actually going through difficult times and experiencing pain, I think we've, people are afraid of pain. Uh, and I think pain is, is, as you have mentioned, as you've experienced probably to a, a much higher degree than I have, okay, it, it teaches you things that are paramount to growth. And, and that's where I look at you know, the millennial generation and they, uh, they shun away from pain. Uh, they yeah. don't want to experience. They do what it's do what's possible uh, to avoid it. Not looking, you know, bad on on their social media profile. You know, not making a mistake. I mean, people are killing themselves in that uh, age range, okay? Because you know something looks bad in a picture or something was said about them. You know, I, I do. I, I agree with you. And so let's maybe transition since we don't have you know hours to do this. Let's maybe transition because I I do believe that leadership is one of those. Uh, one of those ideas that would that would change uh, a lot of people, and it's not just one leader, two leaders, or three leaders. Okay, but I think it's leadership in general. So, would you maybe pivot? I think we made our point right with with some of the, the things that you've gone through. Um, how have you transitioned out of that into this push uh, to develop leadership, and then maybe start with defining what you consider leadership? Well, let me start off by defining what leadership is not. Okay. Leadership is not the number of followers. Leadership is not the number of likes. Leadership is not a bunch of people agreeing with you. Leadership is not being the most popular. Leadership at the bottom line, in my opinion, is the willingness to sacrifice for a cause and a calling far beyond your own comforts and needs. It's the willingness to give every single thing you have to a cause and a calling, not a career. There's a big difference to a cause and a calling and, you know, to be able to sacrifice beyond your own comforts and needs. And that's, that's what is so frightening for a lot of people is that they don't want to suffer. Well, there's a lot of salvation in suffering. Believe me, I, I know that because it peels away the bullshit and it gets you to the core of what's really, really important. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I talked about the great lie and I didn't really finish that thought and I won't go back into it. But the great lie is, um, just, to, just to circle back to that, my house. It's not your house, my business. It's not your business, my bank account. It's not your bank account. You know, and, and I stand in front of audience and jokingly say, how many of you guys have ever had a woman that you called your wife and now she's someone else's wife? And they, they all laugh and raise their hand. Not all of them, but a lot of them, right? Well, she's not your wife either. You know, it's not yours. At best, we're temporary custodians of these things uh, for a time. And every single one of them is going to go away. And, believe, uh, you know, I had all this millions and millions, so it appeared. But did I really have it? Well, no, I didn't because now it's gone. And, and so 
what you do have, and this comes back to leadership, and this is where our school system is failing us miserably because our traditional school system is has not changed hardly at all, if at all, since we were training people to go to work in factories. Mm-hmm. That's just a fact. And so all these people are chasing the market and the money, but Gallup tells us that 71% of the people surveyed are miserable in their work. So, you know, that strategy is a surefire way to end up in the 71% club. Mm-hmm. What I say is find the meaning and let the money follow the meaning. Now, that may sound a little Pollyanna, but it's not because at the end of the day, what we want and what your children want, your 14-year-old wants, and what all of us really want, whether we're consciously aware of it or not, is we want to be happy and fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And and all the Mercedes and airplanes and money and houses are not going to bring that. You know, I'm not impressed on Instagram when people are going, oh, look at my plane. Well, you know, that's a money pit. You know, I, I mean, I, I've been there. I didn't have a plane, but I've been there where I've had all these accoutrements, mm-hmm. and it's a money, and I don't want to go there again. I'm not anti those if that's what you want to do, but be have eyes wide open mm-hmm. and find – Here's true leadership. Find your calling. Find your purpose, what I call your powerful transforming purpose or your PTP. And it's been there all along. If you look at all the way back to when you were a child, there were certain things, Patrick, that you were attracted to. There were certain things that you kind of had an innate ability in. And I believe any of us can become good at whatever we choose to become good at, given enough time, 10,000 hours, according to Anders Ericsson, you know, but can we become great? Probably not. Can we become masterful? Even less, unless you've got some kind of unique gift and genius in a particular area. Find that first, and our school systems and society are not conditioning us to find that. Can you throw, can you th- since you studied psychology, can you throw this the 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 hierarchy hierarchy of needs the maslow model into the mix because that that model is you know physiological safety uh relationships self-esteem right and then self-actualization so is there a because i because i agree with you and and i think that the self-actualized phase that that has been talked about for a a long time the stoics you know uh marcus Aurelius. i mean you can go back for a long time and, and find a lot of these teachings but that self-actualized phase, is it possible to get there without experiencing the other uh, levels first in, in sequence? Because I see what you're saying, right? And I've, I've made the same statements where, you know, they're taking pictures with their rings and pictures with money all over the place. And, you know, and I think that's the, the drive for self-esteem and self-worth, right, in, in a sense. Is it possible to, to circumvent that and get to just go right to self-actualization? Is that... Is that is that, uh, does that make sense? Because I've, 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 I've asked myself those questions and I'm not sure. Yeah, it's a really great question. And in, in my, my opinion, which is all it is, take it or leave it, is that it's all part of it. So, so when, I, when people say what's the number one quality that you have to have to live a meaningful life, even to be a successful entrepreneur, success being a broader term than, hey, I've got – a certain ring or car, but true success, success without fulfillment is not success. I'm nope. sorry. Yep. And, and so, so the number one quality, I call it self-awareness. And that would 
be similar to Maslow's top of the hierarchy. Um, what very few people know is that at the time of his death, Maslow was actually working on another level beyond self-actualization called self-transcendence. Huh. And what that, it sounds real mystical, and it kind of is, but self-transcendence is, is, to, is to rise above self and to start moving into more of a world-centric viewpoint, if you will. Um, and, and there's three basic views. There's egocentric, ethnocentric, world-centric. You know, egocentric is about me, and I don't really care about you. Uh, ethnocentric is me and my family or make America great again. That's very ethnocentric, right? World-centric is about, hey, let's make the world great. Humanity, yep. Right? Humanity, all sentient beings. And, and so that's what Maslow was working on at the time of his death, and that's the highest level of of true awareness, because if you look at physics, I've studied quantum physics for going on 20 years, and I'm not a physicist, but I knew there was answers there. We're all connected. Mm -hmm. You know, we're all uh, non-locally connected, um, whether we know it or not. And whatever I do, Patrick, has an absolute effect upon you. And that might seem like crazy. Well, how does that happen? Well, you know, study physics, it happens. And everything affects everything. It's called in physics a sensitive dependence on initial conditions or also known as the butterfly effect. Mm -hmm. You know, even the smallest butterfly flapping its wings in Japan could cause a tidal wave off of California, you know, six months later mm -hmm. because it's all interconnected. It's in, in the Eastern tradition, Hinduism, they call it Indra's web. And it's all, if you've ever seen a spider's web, you know, you pull on one thread and it affects and it, them all. This can, you know, you say, James, you're getting kind of out there. Well, bring it back to your business. Bring it back to your relationship. Bring it back to your life. Everything affects everything and nothing operates in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. No, and that's, and I would say it's, you know, just the, the nature of, uh, uh, of humanity and, and human relationships. And I, you know, I agree with all, all the points that you're, that you're talking about. And it's, it's one of those, you know, things I've tried to, to do with, you know, my small business, with like 50 people, 60 people, um, you count, you know, contractors, but it's one of those, it's one of those things that people operate, you know, around the world in a very similar way. And, you know, you do have this drive for, I have to feed my family, I have to pay my bills. But I think as a society, as you know, humanity, in a sense, I know we're, you know, we have third world countries still, but we're getting to the point where, you know, most physiological needs are being taken care of. And, and from a safety standpoint, you know, same thing, you know, I, I would say that, you know, the leadership ideas is, is, uh, is, is spot on, I would say the challenge, right, is, that, you know, getting to that point with especially with a group of, uh, of individuals, okay, especially younger individuals without experiencing certain things uh, is, uh, is definitely a, a lofty goal. But I would say for you and what you're trying to do, I mean, you, you understand its meaning and uh, because of what you've gone through and your perspective of the world is, is much different than, uh, than most. Uh, and I think that has, you know, a lot, of, uh, a lot of merit to teaching people, whether, you know, it, it may sit in their subconscious for, for a little bit until they start to experience hardship and then say, oh, yeah, that's what he, you know, that's what that, you know, that's what James meant when he was. Right. 
right. you know, but I, I would say, you know, for, for what I've, what I've done, uh, and I'm not sure if you know much about Simon Sinek or, or Cameron Harold or they're, they're, uh, they teach a lot of really good leadership principles that have resonated with me. Uh, and the idea of, of culture, the idea of, you know, a, a cohesive, uh, drive as a unit, not as an individual or, you know, a hierarchical structure like management structure, okay, that when there is kind of like a, a peer level structure, then you do get a lot accomplished. Now, there's much more to it, but the leadership idea is it's not a me, it's a, it's a we, it's a we principle and all striving uh, to do something that's, mean, that's meaningful. And I think, you know, you're spot on. It's, you know, the idea of wealth isn't money, right? The idea of wealth uh, I would say, you know, is uh, is a comprehensive uh, well-being. But at the same time, like you don't arrive at that point. It's it's a it's an infinite game. I mean, it's it's always going on until you pass on. Yeah, it is, and and it's uh, that's why you know again going reflecting back on my book, uh, one of the things I, I like to be somewhat provocative and controversial uh, is just kind of hardwired into my constitution. But I I went on to a lot of interviews on the Today Show and elsewhere and saying, you know, balance is BS, you know, and balance uh, creates more angst than it creates happiness because balance never, I, even those who are teaching balance aren't balanced. I'm sorry. They're, they're just not. And, and if they try to tell you they are, they're just not being honest with themselves or with you. Mm -hmm. But harmony, you know, is to your point of it's a, it's a never ending journey my words, not yours, but same concept, is that harmony, I like to liken it to a jazz quartet. Sometimes you're leading with a saxophone, sometimes it's the bass guitar, sometimes it's the drums, but they all come together to weave this magical tapestry called the music. Well, such is life. Sometimes you're putting more energy and emphasis into your business, sometimes more into your health, sometimes into your family. And, and where you really get into problems is when you totally neglect any of what I call the five pillars, financial, relational, mental, physical, spiritual. And I'm not, I'm not blasting money here. Money is one of the five components that brings fulfillment because in the way that society is structured, we have to have it. Mm -hmm. You know, one of my favorite things to say to my team is, hey, no margin, no mission. Yeah. You know, you, you got to have the money. There's not a mutual exclusivity to really any of them. No, there's not. And that being said, we tend to have much more of a mindset around a mutual exclusivity around money and money drive and economic drive in today's world and neglecting all of the other things. And so you have the CEO who is at the top of his game business-wise who has a heart attack and is gone because he hasn't, you know, I, I dealt with a guy in Manhattan, coached a guy a couple years ago, really, really, top performer you might know if I mentioned I won't but his his idea of exercise was walking from the subway to his office every morning well I'm sorry that that's not gonna cut it and guess what I, I told him that he didn't want to hear it he didn't have time and I my response to that is you don't have time not to have time well Unfortunately, he didn't listen, and within three months, I heard he had a heart attack, and he was in the, in the hospital. It, it's terrible. I, you know, I would never wish that upon him, but it happens time and time again, so you've got to look at all of those things. Same thing with relationships. You know, the guy who is constantly driven, 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 and all of his work, and I'm providing for my family, but he's not really taking care of his family, and he comes home, and the wife says, I'm out of here. Yep. This, I'm over. And that uh, happens this, all the time. It does all the time.
All the time. So, so it is a never ending. And, and then one of the laws in the universe, you know, we, the law of attraction blew up with a secret, but there are seven laws. And, and one of them is called the law of rhythm. And it says everything moves, you know, ebbs and flows. Tide comes in, times goes out. Sometimes your business is really booming. Other times it's not doing quite as well. But but when you understand how things work, sometimes you're really full of energy. Other times you're super tired, you know, and, and that's, that's how rhythm works. But when you understand that, then you work with it. When, when the business is not booming, okay, now's the time for me to study, to learn, to grow, to improve, to reinvent. And, and reinvention is the mother of all skills in today's world, you know, I'm, I'm doing a, a leadership presentation at a tech, a big tech conference coming up here in a couple of weeks. And one of the things I'm going to talk to them about is how all of us have to continually reinvent ourselves because, because, you know, if Forbes is correct, 50% of the payroll jobs are going to be gone in 10 years or less. Mm -hmm. And no one's immune to that. You know, surgeons aren't immune to that. Um, Uber's going to go out of business with self-driving cars. You know, all of these things are continually um, going to ebb and flow, and we've got to reinvent ourselves. Well, that's really hard in your 30s. Sometimes it feels next to impossible in your 50s. And so here's another lesson that I got. I mean, I, I came out of prison. I was 55 years old, $20 million in debt, and homeless. Nobody wants to be at that point in their life <laughs> in that position. I had to reinvent, and I came out to a world that didn't even exist when I stepped out six years earlier. So well, one thing I would say is like, yeah, it's a, it's a never-ending growth. That's, that's the experience of life is, uh, is growth, and it's how you define, how you define growth. And it's, a, and it's a, a cycle, as you mentioned, that ebbs and flows. It's not this linear, linear path. And, and I think that's, you know, it's interesting. It's another paradox where like we want certainty. We want this linear line that, you know, is, is fully calculatable, uh, but it, it, it never happens that way. And uh, so the idea is, you know, the math exists to do that, but in reality, you know, the, the universe is just all, is all over the place. And that's just, that's the beauty. That's the beauty of life. Uh, but let's, let's end with, let's end with this. Um, so, so the, I, I still want to hit on the leadership idea. But I, I want you to just maybe briefly talk about, you know, if you questioned everything you knew when you were in prison. So question your beliefs, question, question you know, was I just full of crap during that period of time or, or was, I, was, was this something legitimate or, you know, you're probably asking what, why, 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 you know, so talk about that and then get into really what your mission is now, what you took as lessons there and what you're trying to do with whether it's uh, leadership or speaking, like what is the, the future uh, look like for you as it, as it you know, looks like right now? Well, in answer to your question, did I question everything I ever knew? Absolutely. In fact, I'll tell you, um, there was one morning when George Stephanopoulos and Anderson Cooper and all of the all of the folks who thought I was amazing at one point were just lamb blasting me in the media and crucifying me and turning me into some kind of crazy cult leader or whatever because the media is selling us what we're buying. I mean, we have no one to be responsible for that but ourselves. They're, they're not here to give us the truth. They're here to give us sensationalism and entertainment. And, and so, but I was, the, I was the, the target of that. And I remember laying in bed with my then girlfriend 
when all that was going on, and I said, you know, every single thing I've ever believed or taught is complete bullshit. And she's like, oh, no, don't say that. And But that's what I, I just was like. None of it's true. None of it works. None of it's right. And and I no longer believe that now, but I believe that's a powerful position. Absolutely. It's uncomfortable. But when you question everything, even if you come back around to the same answers, you own them in a different way. Totally. And, and so, yes, and I did victim really well, Patrick. I'd love to say that I was a champion through it all. I did why me. I did pity party. I did the government is screwing me over. I, I did the whole, the legal system is, is rigged. I, I did it all. And I finally came to a point of breakthrough where I decided that, hey, you know, let's just take responsibility for it all. And how can you learn and grow from it? And that was a, a turning point in my life. And if we had more time, I could tell you the specific story, but we don't. Now, the second part of your question was about leadership. And now I've forgotten. Help remind it's me. More of the, yeah, it's, it's how did what you just explained fueled what you're, what you're now trying to do? doesn't mean this we're going to be doing in 20 years. But right now, your focus, what you're dedicating time, focus to – I mean, how, how is, uh, what, what is it fueling? What is that mission? Well, my, my mission is very simple and it's bold. Um, my mission or what I call my purpose is to impact and influence, guide and direct the infinite potential and the destiny of the entire human race. I told you it was bold. Now, will I ever get there? I don't know. But I guarantee you I'm going to give everything I got towards that until the day I exit because that's why I'm here and that's what I'm committed to and I'm willing to sacrifice for it and I have sacrificed for it. And so I want to help awaken the infinite potential and, and, and impact the destiny of the entire human race. And, and what that means is that we have to have this massive paradigm shift. And, and we've just touched on so many things here today, but, but from an individual to a to a family, to, to a city, to a, to a state, to a country, to a world. We, we've got to do some things differently because the old systems are, are breaking down. And that's scary, but what I also know is that every significant breakthrough is always preceded by a breakdown. Absolutely. And, and so what we're doing is we're rebirthing and reinventing, and the rebirthing process is, is hard as hell, and it's scary. But, but it's happening, and we can't stop it. There's no way we can stop it. We either resist it, and we have a tremendous amount of suffering, or we embrace it, and we learn how to use it. And, and so, you know, that's, that's my drive now is to be able to help Anyone that I can, whether it's your listeners or whether it's one individual that I coach or, you know, a, a, I'm, I'm speaking at the Future of Technology conference coming up, and I'm not a tech guy, you know, where they're bringing me in to talk about the mindset that it takes to get through what, what's going to happen when AIs take your job away because it's going to happen, right, um, and, and so on and so forth. And, and so – you know, whoever I can touch and impact in a positive way, and I believe that I have much greater ability with all humility to do that now because of 
the crash and burn I've been through because a lot of people are in pain right now. And so it gives me greater compassion and understanding because what I recognize, Patrick, is prior to, I was on the top of the mountain going, hey, come on up here. The view is great and the air is pristine and it's just wonderful. And they're in the valley going, I can't, James. They're foreclosing on my house. Oh, yes, you can. Come on. Well, your arm's not long enough from the top of the mountain <laughs> to help people in the valley. You have to get down there with them. And just sheer physics, you have much more leverage from underneath Hmm. to help someone up than you do if you follow the metaphor to pull yep. them up and, and so life had to bring me down and had to put me in the muck and the mire with the masses and I had to figure out how to deal with the muck and the mire after being on the top which caused you know once you've tasted that and then to get dropped it's painful it's painful well this but is I'm where right. I was hoping you know this is where I was hoping the interview went because honestly it's there's so much that is um, inspiring about these heroes, heroes' stories, uh, and you know, looking at your, looking at your, your past and what you've, what you've been through. Okay, actually coming out of that and having that big of a vision uh, is, uh, is, is inspiring. And I, I feel that when people, you know, do go through, as you put it, the, the mire. Uh, there's a there's a lot of just giving up, uh, whether it's uh, suicide, whether it's drugs, whether it's divorce, whether it's bankruptcy. What, I mean, there's a lot of gi giving up scenarios where a person can easily take that path. And, you know, I look at some of the hardest things to do is to, you know, fall from, I mean, a mountain, like you were on, you were on top of the world and you, and you fell to the bottom. And, and that's where, you know, at that, at that moment, you know, coming, coming out of it, it's not just getting to, you know, you know, a family with a white picket fence and a dog, right? It's like, there's a lot more, I would say, is, is compelling you to, to, make, to make a difference. And I would say, you know, it was interesting. I, I, I had like a totally fluke opportunity to see the, a practice round at the, at the Masters this year. And, uh, and I was just by myself. And I got to walk around and I, I followed uh, Tiger Woods as he was playing. And everybody, you know, there was people practicing and they were following, everyone was following him. And, and, I, and, it, and it occurred to me that him going through what he went through, because you could say that that was kind of a bottom too for him. Yeah, big it, time. Coming out of that, like I was like, man, think of the, the mental tenacity and the drive and the drive for something that's freaking way beyond just him, right? To come out of that, it, it really occurred to me and it, it, it inspired me as well. And I feel the same, I feel the same with this interview. Well, thank you. That, mean, that means a lot to me. It really does. And that's, you know, when they came to me in prison and asked me to do the documentary, it, it, was, it was painful to do that. And if you get a chance to see it, it was, to, yeah. it was cathartic. It was very painful. And yet my, my major deciding factor was my hope that an individual could watch it and say, hey, if he got through that, maybe I can get through this. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's that's my hope. And, and when you make comments that it is inspiring, then that makes it all worthwhile. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean I want to do it again. Hell no, <laughs> you know, but, but it does make it worthwhile and meaningful. There's that word again, meaningful. Yep. Well, that's the, that's, I think what ultimately is the drive for, for everyone. I think uh, based on experiences, people, that people go through, that is the end that they're, they're seeking. I think that's a, a commonality that we all, we all share as, as human beings. But listen, man, I, I'm a, grateful for the interview. This is a great conversation. Uh, I learned, I learned a lot and I appreciate, 
you know, you and your drive and, and what you're, uh, and what you're doing. And, uh, we'll push, uh, the, the documentary link will, we'll push, um, uh, anything else you want. I mean, I obviously have jamesray.com. Is there anything right. else social media the, that you uh, spend time on to get messages out there? Yeah. I mean, I'm all over social media. I, I, uh, official James Arthur Ray on Facebook. I, I do a mini blog on, on social media every day on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook okay. called, called triple espresso. Um, it's a metaphor for a strong wake up call in the morning. I, I get up at 4 AM and, and I'm, I've always been an early riser and, and I, 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 you know, turn that out every morning, uh, extemporaneously and just whatever's on my mind. So yeah, I'm on, on Instagram, James Arthur Ray and official James Arthur Ray on, on Facebook and, um, James A. Ray on Twitter and, and LinkedIn. And so yeah, jamesray.com is the website. We'll have a brand new website up, um, in a couple of heartbeats. I'm really excited about, we've, we've been, we put a lot of heart and, and energy into a brand new website. So that'll be up soon. And then, you know, I've got a couple of upcoming conferences that I'm speaking at that uh, will be listed on the website and we announce those on social as well. So if I can be of help to you or any of your listeners, it, it's an honor. It's really an honor and a privilege. And I say that from the depth of my heart because I could have got 30 years, man. You know, I, I mean, I, it's a real reset, you know, as hard as it is to come back, um, and come back strong, it just is a whole new perspective to say, man, I'm so freaking grateful because I'm getting to do what I'm here to do, and, and I could be not. So anyway, thank you for having me and, and reaching out. It means a lot to me. Well, you're owning the responsibility, and that, and that means a lot, and you're embracing it, and I'm, I'm excited to, uh, uh, to keep following you and excited for the difference that you're, uh, you're going to make. So, again, thanks for, thanks for an awesome interview. We'll make sure we get, uh, get the word out, and uh, let's stay in touch. Okay. Thanks, my friend. God bless. Thank you for joining us as the Wealth Standard Podcast spends all of 2018 celebrating life, liberty, and property. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes, and we'll see you on the next one.